Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. This week, we're crossing the border for the RBC Canadian Open. Now, because of COVID, we haven't had this tournament on the schedule since 2019. So it's a fantastic week and a real week of celebration in Canada. I'm joined by Elk and, well, we're recording this on Tuesday morning and this week is kicking off. (laughs) Obviously, the Canadian Open is going to be the main part of our show and we're going to get to that. But... It would be wrong of us to not talk about everything that's going on surrounding Live Golf and all these announcements. Yeah, you told me this morning already that like six people have resigned their status for the PGA Tour. I'm not exactly sure what that means. We saw last week Kevin Nair came out and said, look, I'm resigning my my tour credentials, if you will. Does that mean he's retiring his retirement plan that he's earned for 19 years? You've said... You name him. Who is it? Dustin Johnson? Dustin Johnson announced it this morning in the press conference. Um, Sergio Garcia, Louise Tazen, Brandon Grace and Charles Schwartzel have all resigned from the PGA Tour. So that's six of them so far. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of information that we don't know. I mean, I know, um, you know, that's a bold step. I don't know. Does that mean they'll never come back to the Tour and play? Does that dilute the product now to do do the sponsors of the pga tour the at&t's the waste managements are they now upset at the pga tour because they've lost uh you know six or seven players that they would really want in the field mm-hmm. is the tour gone too far have they overstepped their bounds should they have said hey play the eight live events come back and you know i don't you know very very uh very uneasy right now on both sides here, Diane. And I think because we haven't heard from the PGA Tour, you know, obviously Jay Monahan promised that there are going to be serious repercussions for anyone that plays in live golf in any of these events. And 
There's been rumours going around about suspensions and fines and whatever else it may be, your lifetime bans from the PGA Tour. Nobody knows. They've, they haven't come out and said anything. They don't have to give specifics. I mean, if, if a player gets suspended from the tour, we don't have to know about it. I guess it's between the two parties. But we're all waiting because, I mean, for example, the guys that have resigned, do they lose their FedEx Cup points? right away, which has to be so appealing for the guys that are sitting out with the 125 right now. I heard that was on the cards for sure, um, that they would lose the FedEx, they would just drop out of the FedEx Cup as they stand today. Now, I think they're being advised by some lawyers from the live side of things. Um, what I've heard through the grapevine is that everyone on the live side believes that these players are entitled to go play in a live, a live event and then come back and play on the tour as an independent contractor. It's going to be very interesting to see. Does, does the tour now, they have no grounds for anything now because these guys have resigned their status. They're not coming back, so to speak. So um, don't know what's going to happen, Diane. Mm, and then uh, I was even looking at the um, early commitments for the Travellers. I mean, Dustin Johnson had committed to the Travellers Championship in a few weeks. You know, I'm guessing that that's that's finished now. Um, like Ian Poulter, he's in the field for the Travellers, but he's playing Live this week. So, with these guys, there's going to be ha- there's going to have to be something that's announced at some point, whether it's through the PGA Tour or you have someone like Poulter who's extremely vocal <laughs> on social media. And I'm sure if he's banned, he's going to come out and tell us. You know, I w- I would think so, going by the way that that he kind of acts, but. You just don't know. And then we haven't even touched on Phil Mickelson yet. <laughs> it was announced on Monday that he was playing in the live event, numbers being thrown around in the region of $200 million. And then he did an interview with Sports Illustrated um, saying that because he's he's worked hard to earn a lifetime membership on the PGA Tour, he hopes that he's going to be able to go and play there again. So again, we just don't know. Yeah, it's obvious that the amount of money <clears throat> that they're being paid has, um, you know, distorted everything of their thinking. I mean, in other words, Dustin Johnson, for example, won't earn another $100 million on the PGA Tour in his career, so he's going to take that 100 I think, Phil, they're talking around 200 Some of these guys, like Hudson Swafford or whoever, $30 million. Hudson Swafford won't win $30 million if he played on the Tour for another 30 years. This won't happen. So they're saying, hey... <clears throat> And by the way, when I came on the tour, we wanted to play the tour for 30 years. I mean, I wanted to be a legacy player, which I was. I played the tour for 30 years. I don't think everyone anymore wants to play the tour for 30 years. They're like anyone else. They want to play, make as much money as they can in 10 years and retire. I mean, things have changed. Now, there is exceptions. Justin Thomas, you know, Jordan Spieth, I see those guys. They want to play forever, and that's fine. But uh, and they've they've put their stake in the ground and said, you know, we're here, we're staying here. John Rahm's another, Rory McIlroy's another. Um, these other guys are saying, hey, you know, I can't make that kind of money at my age. Gray McDowell, for example, who would have a hard time making, you know, being exempt every year, making a million dollars, million and a half dollars is to be exempt. May have to play thirty weeks on the PGA Tour to do that. They're offering them twenty million dollars. McDowell's not going to make $20 million in the net. And if he loses his, his card, he's not going to play anything. So I think they're looking at his protection. You know, they, they're taking a lot of criticism. Um, at the end of the day, for them, it's each one of them has to make their own personal decision. 
Yeah, and they, you know, we talked about Richard Bland on the show last week who came out and said, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm doing it for the money. Like the money, I'm not going to make that kind of money in my career. And this is going to benefit me and my family greatly. So very honest about it. And I love that. But then um, it's the issue that people dance around a little bit. Like Dustin Johnson this morning, he was asked, you know, what do you say to the people who almost criticize you saying that you've just done this for the money? And he's like, I say that I've made the choice that's best for, for me and my family. And is that financial? Someone like Dustin Johnson, did he really need <laughs> the extra 125 million or whatever it was? But everyone's got a different motivation for doing it. And you can't, who are we to judge and say they're right or wrong doing so? I mean, it's, it's an individual decision, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a chance that the, the middle part of the tour could mass exodus over to LIV if there's going to be that kind of money and this gets shaken up so bad. I mean, I think, you know, Ricky Fowler was talked about yesterday. He may leave. Bubba Watson, he may leave. Bryson DeJambeau still in the limbo. Well, now you're starting to get a, a pretty good pile of good players going over there, Diane. But if you start to tell the middle of the tour, the guys that are 40, that they're going to make, you know, a minimum $5 million for playing on the LIV for the next three years, that's $15 million. I mean, you may see 30 guys from the middle of the tour just say, hey, we're out of here. I don't, I don't need any signing bonus. I'm going anyway. Yeah, because we talk about the signing bonuses, but then first place gets $4 million, which is insane. And if you, there's no cut, three-day event. If you finish last, you make 120000 And, you know, for some of these younger guys, guys that are coming out of college that are going straight to LIV, I mean, for them, they're getting to play against the likes of Dustin Johnson and um, Ian Poulter, Phil Mickelson, Taylor Gooch, you know, some high quality names and they're getting to make some money. So it's, um, but then how does that affect them going forward? Will they be allowed to play on the PGA Tour? I think the guys that have never been on the tour, the amateurs and stuff, I think they would be able to then go qualify for the tour if the LIV fell yeah. through or they, they got knocked off of it because of performance. I think they are going to have a performance in there. If you're not up to par, they have, they're going to have a draft where they draft more players to come on to LIV each year. So I think if you're an amateur, you've got nothing to lose because you're not on the tour, so, so you're not a member of it. So you go play this, make a bunch of money. You know, if they finish last every event for these eight, they make basically a million dollars. That's pretty good start money. I mean, considering I borrowed 20 grand from the bank to play the tour in 1986, <laughs> bought a car and I, I went on the tour with $18,000. So, um, things have changed, Diane, a lot. And I think um, there's going to be a lot more happen. We'll see. But uh, certainly it's here to stay. I mean, I've heard through other, you know, people in the industry that, Live Golf's not going anywhere. They've got so much money, apparently. They've got $4 billion set aside to make this happen, to sit at the table. So clearly money is not not an issue. And they've not only got the money, but they, they have the star power now. And you look at Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson alone, let alone the other people, as you say, these kind of middle-of-the-road golfers on the PGA Tour that are maybe going to leave after they see how the first event goes down. It's there's new developments every single day right now, and it is going to be a, a very interesting week. I'm very intrigued to see this tournament kick off on Thursday and see the actual buzz once the play begins. And where will be what we 
where will we be watching this on YouTube? Yeah, YouTube on their website. I think on Facebook they're going to be streaming it. So they figured that out. I mean, okay, it's not going to be televised on one of the national networks, but who cares? I mean, this is we're used to watching things through streaming platforms now. So if they have the likes of YouTube on their side, then we're going to be watching. <laughs> I'm going to be watching to see what it's all about. Me too, me too, for sure. Right, well, pig's coming up in a minute, but first up, we're teaming up with Dundonald Links to bring you the Tour Report. Now, it's a fantastic golf course and resort in Scotland, in Ayrshire in Scotland, so if you're ever heading to the west, then this is definitely the place to go. Um, if you are planning that bucket list trip to Scotland with your list of golf courses that you want to visit, then this is definitely one to add on. Now, they're the host venue of the 2022 Trust Golf Women's Scottish Open. That's happening this July. Now the tournament has a $2 million purse, one of the largest outside of the majors for a women's competition, which is great. And it's going to be so good to see Dundonald Links you know, across the world, um, showcasing exactly what they've done. They've undergone this huge redevelopment with the ultimate five-star luxury golf resort. So that will be on show. But Dundonald Links has also been selected as one of the four golf courses in Great Britain and Ireland as new venues to stage final qualifying for the Open. Now they're gonna host the final qualifying events from 2023 until 26, when tour players, club professionals and elite amateurs will compete for places in golf's original major championship now you can find out more and check out the full course and resort online at dundonaldlinks.com Right, okay, well, we don't want to take the shine away from the RBC Canadian Open because, as we said, this tournament, because of COVID, hasn't been played since 2019. It's on a different course this year, St George's Golf and Country Club. Rory McIlroy is defending champion, and the field is good this week. I mean, Rory's playing. We have uh, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Smith, five of the official world golf ranked top 10. Um, and then, of course, we have a whole host of these Canadian players who are really going to enjoy playing in their home nation this week. I played at this course uh, in 2010, I figured out, Diane, Royal St. George. is very close to the centre of Toronto, not too far out of town at all. Beautiful golf course. Um, sort of reminds me of a course that you play in Australia, in Sydney, where it's this, the town, you're almost in the middle of the city. It's slightly in the suburbs. However, small course, Diane, only 7,000 yards. Um, Thompson course, you can see behind you there, lots of bunkers, lots of undulating greens. Very short course for these players. I'm wondering if they'll be able to, in the handicapping, in my thinking is, will will these guys like Rory McIlroy go for it, like try to drive it down there on all these holes? There's a lot of rough this week. They're getting ready for the they've, – they've done a nice job of <clears throat> putting a lot of rough out so the players that are playing the US Open will be ready for, for Brookline. But I still think this course – as I remember, Diane, is a second shot golf course, you tricky greens, slopey. That's the only thing that protects it. So if you're in the rough, you're not going to have much chance. So do they do they play strategy? It certainly opens up the idea that a, a shorter player could play well in this tournament. Love to see some Canadians do well. The Canadian Open is always so popular with the fans. They come out. I remember playing this tournament. It was pouring down rain, Diane, and all those Canadians, they just stand there in the rain and watch the golf. Some of them didn't have umbrellas. Some of them didn't even have rain jackets. And I said to my caddy, I said, 
is it strange to you that all the Canadians just stand there in the rain and watch the golf? And he goes, nope. He said, they love the golf and they're used to the rain. They don't care. They're just going to keep, they're going to stay here all day and watch the golf. They love it. Especially now with the uh, the return after the absence. And yeah, I've heard people talk about this course this week saying that it's the best golf course in Canada and it's constantly rated in like the, the top three courses anyway. But as you say, it was last played for this tournament in 2010. Since then, there have been a lot of renovations and um, the greens were rebuilt in 2014. They modeled them on the original designs, but they took some slope out of the greens and added some speed into them. But one of the main factors, and you touched on it there, the rough is definitely thicker than the PGA Tour standard. And you can see it behind me around this green, bunkers surrounding every green. So. Uh, you know, and I, it was probably the same in 2010, but there's a real premium on greens and reg, <laughs> hitting the greens, and um, and you have to be a great scrambler with all this trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's a short course, and and as you say there, to me, I remember playing, I think I think our producer pulled it up, I finished tied for 41st, and I think I played pretty well, as, as I recall. I don't know, um, hit the ball okay. The greens were very slopey, as you said. They've taken out some of it over the years. It's just gotten too slopey. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to see this golf course. Just all about, you know, going around dog legs, over little hills, hitting wedge shots into these tight pin placements. You know, the course meanders through one side of the course through thick trees, and it crosses over. Uh, goes around a few lakes and creeks and very interesting little shots and then finishes on a really great hole, I think, coming right up the hill to you. That could be nine or that could be 18 right next to it. Um, long hole number 18. But I'm my handicapping this week, Diane, I'm focused on guys that are playing well. I still think that we're going to get a breakthrough from a young guy. I'm not picking the winner this week as a young guy. However, I'm going to talk about a few that I think are playing well. And I think Canadians are going to show up this week. If there was ever a week, that two of the star players, Connors and Hadwin, had right. a chance to win. It's those two guys, particularly Connors, because he's fourth in greens in reg. Can he handle the pressure of playing in front of his home crowd? That happens a lot. Happened to me in Australia. It's difficult. But Hadwin had a hole-in-one last week at Jack's tournament. He's playing well. Like I said, Connors, fourth in, fourth in ball striking. Course is perfect for Hadwin. 188th in putting is a little worrisome. But I can tell you right now, they're my two to watch. Uh, just uh, maybe not. I'm just talking about that. I got another who to watch. Well, um, no Canadian has won their national open since 1958. <laughs> so I know, I know. hopefully we can overcome that. But, you know, something that's really interesting about this week is that the practice facilities are on another golf course just about seven minutes down the road. So guys will have to take a shuttle to start their rounds. And if you're watching Thursday, Friday and thinking, why are they teeing off on holes one and nine instead of one and 10? I mean, logistically, that works better with the transportation. So guys I, I, off on one and nine, which is so unique. I remember that going that range uh, down there, Diane. And it was good because it was on a, on a hole. So it was like you were teeing off on a, yeah. on a par four so you could hit hit your drive and see if you could hit the fairway. So yeah, the one and nine are right together, right on the, that side of the golf course from you. Uh, you pull the shuttle back and you walk right out and tee off on the ninth hole, par four, straight up the hill, I think. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a great week. Look at the, look at the golf course. I mean, the weather up there uh, looks like it's going to be pretty good. Um, really looking forward to the Canadian open.
Yeah, and there's a few players that did play this tournament on this course. As we said, it was slightly different in 2010. Pat Perez, who we're going to be watching closely. Luke Donald, who finished in a tie for third that year. Brian Stewart, who blitzed it at the US Open qualifying yesterday. And Brant Snedeker and Canadian Nick Taylor. So... You might want to take that into consideration as well. But we're going to give you our top picks. So we're going to go through the field and each pick an outright favourite, one to watch, and then a dark horse pick. And by the sounds of it, Elk, you've got a good few names up your sleeve for this week. <laughs> well, I think when I start to think about who can actually win this tournament, when I look at Rory McIlroy, will Rory be out of control the tee shot? Okay, I don't know about that. Scotty Scheffler, very good form, almost won Cologne. He didn't play that good, but he hung in there the whole week. Justin Thomas, PGA champion. Sam Burns, just won Colonial. Shane Lowry, number one and up and down. But, you know, Cam Smith last week got off to a hot start at Memorial. He's number one in putting. It says on my sheet that he's like 64th in scrambling, but anyone that's seen Cam Smith scramble, some of the crazy up and downs he was making last week at Memorial, he is not 64th in uh, scrambling. I'm sorry. He's number one in my mind. And I think Cam Smith will work this golf course out because he, he said last week that he doesn't he didn't think he could drive it good enough to win a Jacks tournament. I wanted to call him up on the phone and told him, I said, Mate, you just won at the Players' Championship. That's probably the narrowest course of the whole tour. Of course you can drive it straight enough. Will Cam Smith figure out how to lay up on some of these holes or shape his shots and get it in play? But I'm taking the best wedge player, best nine-iron player, and best eight-iron player with the combination of number one putter on the tour, and that's Cam Smith this week, Diane. I think I'm looking towards him to win a major, and I think this is an important week for Cam to get back on his game. He had a Rough, uh, rough Sunday, front nine, 43, but came back on the back, played well, finished finished with an eagle and a birdie. So, yep, Cam Smith's my guy this week. He's 12 to 1. Um, I, I kind of have two, only because I hate picking one of the absolute favourites at 10 to 1. Like, it is what it is, I guess, though. But I, I was looking at Rory McIlroy and... Defending champion, you know, albeit a different course in 2019, he shot 61 on Sunday to win. You know, we all know what Rory can do. But I looked at his, I looked at the scoring average for these shorter courses on the PGA Tour. And Rory's scoring average on the short courses is better than anyone else's, even though he's one of the longest hitters that we see. So obviously a strong favourite this week and all the good vibes going back to a tournament that he won last time around. So Rory's plus a thousand, but um, I, I'm like you too. Even though a Canadian hasn't won since 58, I've picked Cody Connors so many times. And then I thought I'd be doing him a real disservice if I didn't pick him to win his National Open. So, um, you know, finished T13 at Memorial last week and his approach stat was better than anyone else's for the week. Um, obviously, we know that's going to be important that to green is always the strength of his game and we know that the putter is uh, is always the the high number when we look at his stats however what an amazing week for him you know they've been building up to the Canadian Open for such a long time now and the maybe the the crowd will get his juices flowing a little bit on the greens so Cody Connors at 22 to 1 I'm looking at him and Rory as my outright favorites Oh, you have two. Okay, I got it. Uh, you know, Rory, I'm I like, love, so I smart. love Corey Connors. Yeah. You know, since I watched him practice at Floridian and, and he, like I said, this course is made for him, fourth in ball striking. 
<clears throat> shouldn't be any problem for him to play this golf course. He's, you know, local, obviously, drive it in there between the bunkers, knock it up on the green, play great, get the crowd behind him, off he goes. No, I, I, think, uh, I think you're right. Okay, right. Well, one to watch. I'll let you start. I know that you're watching Connors. <laughs> I'm watching Connors and I'm watching Hadwin. I'd like yeah. to see the two Canadians play well. Although I'm really watching Sahith Thagala, who had a great who had a great week last week. Um, this kid out of Pepperdine, um, you know, just joined the tour, finished second out in Phoenix early in the year. Seems to me I've watched him through his whole college career, Diane. He goes hot and cold, but when he gets hot. He's really hot. They got him at 66 to 1, which I think is uh, pretty good. Maybe a little low for him. It could be. But I'm looking at Sahith Fagala to play well. I look for guys that travel well, who can go across the border. They're not worried about playing, you know, not worried about a little different um, environment to play in. Uh, Sahith is Indian, big Indian population in Canada. I just think he's going to get a lot of support, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching Fagala this week. Yeah, you do like him a lot. Well, I was almost going to pick Patrick Reed again, <laughs> but I picked him last week and, I mean, he made the cut, finished pretty low down, but he, his game is definitely trending in the right direction. So Patrick Reed, I, go, I saw him at 65 to 1, 45 to 1 on some places. So he's on my radar, but I'm going to pick CT Pan at 80 to 1. Now, I've... Because this course is just over 7,000 yards, I really looked at that short course scoring average. And CT Pan has a really good track record on the shorter courses. I mean, he won the RBC's other sponsored event, um, the RBC Heritage at Harbortown Golf Links in 2019. And he's having a good season. He's not making any major moves, but he's only missed three cuts in the entire season that's including the the fall swing last year and he's got five top 16 finishes so you know playing well obviously and the approach stat for him is definitely the strength of his game so i liked ct pan i found him at 80 to 1 and he's going to be my one to watch good i like it different yeah um, do you want to talk about Adam Hadwin? Because I know that he was on your radar too. Yeah, I'm watching Hadwin. You know, he is also uh, 27th in ball striking. Both Canadians are very good ball strikers. Putting, 88th. You know, I just think, you know, when Mike Weir almost won the Canadian Open, I think he, like, gave up a three-shot lead on the back nine to Vijay Singh uh, out at Glen Abbey. I was there. It was a very dismal day for the Canadian crowd. Um I think this is the best year, best chance they had. There's a few other names down our list here. You mentioned one, uh, one other Canadian. There's about ten of them playing. Or probably more than that, but uh, yeah. ones that we know of. Yeah. Uh, I'd really like to see some Canadians get into contention this week. And my my um, my dark horse is a Canadian that I'll talk about very soon. Okay. But I'll okay. go first. I'll, I'll go first then. Um, so my dark horse, again, varying odds. So you're going to be like, oh, she's cheating. But I found him at 100 to 1 online. So that's fine. Um, some people have him a little bit less than that. But I'm going with Brendan Todd. And again, plays well on short courses. He won in Mayakoba in 2019, which is known for being one of the shorter courses on the tour. But if you want a straight hitter who can putt, and has got good form of late, then Brendan Todd is your guy. He's fifth in driving accuracy and sixth in putting. 
those stats are amazing and he's been playing good we saw him finish third at the Charles Schwab Challenge just a few weeks ago he had a top 10 at the Valero Texas Open what that was back in April so I love Brendan Todd. I think he he is definitely, you're seeing him playing well more and more lately. You know, obviously that finish at Colonial speaks volumes, but those stats to me were just amazing. And the fact that, you know, he's not one of the longest hitters, but he doesn't really need to be this week, but he's so straight. So Brendan Todd at 100 to 1. Yeah, when we, when, we, when we go to a tour event, Diane, and we see all of us players practicing and you might see a, uh, Brendan Todd, and you, you, you'll mention, oh, mate, this course is perfect for you. And, that, you know, someone will say that to you because you're a straight hitter. People used to say to me sometimes, you know, we'd get on a course where it was really windy and they'd say, because I was a low hitter, they said, oh, this is a perfect course for you. Well, I'd be betting on you if that was it. But Brendan Todd is a great fit. I There was a name that you mentioned earlier today, Brian Stewart, who's 250 to one, who qualified for the U.S. Open yesterday for his seventh time in a row that he's qualified for the U.S. Open. That, to me, is almost impossible to do. <laughs> Tells me that a guy can go up to any old course, shoot 10 under for 36 holes, and just move right through the field. What mentally – I've seen guys that are really good at qualifying, Diane. I've seen guys that are really bad at qualifying. I've seen really good players that can't qualify for things. Blaine McAllister, who was a, uh, one of our college guys, he could qualify for anything, and he'd get in the tournament, he wouldn't play good. Brian Stewart, 250 to 1. Wow. Got to be feeling really good about going to Brookline next week. He's one of mine, uh, dark horses. However, I'm going for a, a Canadian who's 125th on the FedEx. But you noted today that six guys, <laughs> six guys gave up their membership. So now he's 119th on the FedEx. Diane, so he's, he's in the money. Adam <laughs> Svensson. Ah, okay. And he plays pretty good golf, and he's 30. He has a nice form right now of 33rd on his current form. I'm just looking for guys that are in, you know, that are motivated highly for this week. He will get a little, he will, of course, feel a little bounce this morning in his step from moving from 125th to 119th. And it has some form. So I'm I'm all in on the Canadians playing well this week, Diane. I feel it in my bones. It's like you for Scotland. It's like me for Australia. We want them, our home people, to do well. Good. Um, uh, there's some other names just as I'm looking at our uh, re-ranking. And you can check it out on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app. Play along in the games as well. But we have our full sheet up there with all of our re-ranking, all of the stats. And you can really dive into how we do it. But uh, Chris Kirk... Definitely one that was on my radar. He's 45 to one. And then when you look at current form, the guy that came in second in current form is Tony Finau. And I feel like we haven't talked about him in such a long time, but he's well, 25 to one. I look very hard at Tony Finau, Diane. And when I asked myself and you outlaid uh, uh, what you talked about, Brendan Todd, where he drives it straight and hits his Irons approach is good and he's a very good putter. I could not put that case together for Tony Finnau. He's a long hitter, not a particularly awesome wedge player, and he's an average putter. Now, doesn't mean he can't win this tournament, but I'm just saying when you start to think about how, how can we put this together, I talked about Cam Smith. He's the best wedge player, best nine-iron player, best eight-iron player, best putter on tour. Yeah. Does he beat Tony Finnau? And this is how we start to put these things together. Okay. Uh, and, of course, Cam Smith gets it up and down like nobody's business. So uh, I love Finnau, but I just can't pick him this week. 
Okay. And I'm just checking Adam's fencing, 160 to 1 for your dark horse. So you've got some good high odds this week. I love it. Right, well, it's going to be a, a interesting week. There's going to be a lot of conversation over the next couple of days around the RBC Canadian Open. And then, of course, the Live Golf event that's happening in London as well. Um, you know, obviously, we talked about the fact that we've got Justin Johnson, Phil Mickelson are kind of the headline names, but somebody's going to walk away with four million whoever wins. And uh, <coughs> Justin Johnson is the obvious favorite by a mile. Yeah, maybe um, we, you and I should watch a little live golf on Thursday afternoon and maybe we should just do a little show about it, what we saw. What do you think of that? Yeah, I would love to. I, I think that, um, it, as you said at the start, it's not going away. It's here to stay. So, you know, I'm intrigued. I want to see what happens. Also, Michael McEwen, the Scottish golf writer who's been on our show a couple of times before, he's got media credentials and he's there this week. So I dropped him a message, but he said that he sat in so many press conferences in his time. But what he saw this morning at the press conferences is the wildest thing he's ever seen at a golf tournament. So I was like, you need to tell us more. <laughs> with the guy denouncing their membership or just in general? Yeah, I think with all of it. And then there was a second press conference with um, Taylor Gooch. I can't remember who the other guys were, but in the end, they had to get ushered out. I think one of the journalists lost his media credential because they said he was being rude. <laughs> oh, they kicked him out? Yeah, so apparently it all kicked off at the at the press conference this morning. So, you know, I nominate you. I nominate you to go to the next live event up in <laughs> Portland. I would love to go. I would absolutely love to go and experience it and and see what's going on. So I'll work on that. I'll I'll send Greg Norman a message and okay. say that we want you there. I'll be there. <laughs> and by the way, on the live uh, final thing on the live when you're talking about the majors, the the US GA, of course have the opportunity to be able to just sit there. They're not a tour. They're just a one event for the PGA Tour. So to me, I think you're not going to hear anything out of the USGA. Phil Mickelson, of course, is exempt to play in the US Open. I don't know some of the other players you said. I'm thinking Louis Ushausen would be in. Anyway, I think those guys are going to be there next week. I don't think there's going to be any drama around the US Open. Yeah, I think it's too soon. I mean, there, there doesn't seem to be enough time for anything i mean if they have left the pga tour the tour haven't come out and said what the punishment is the usga just have to be in a situation where they don't have enough time to really do anything or make any changes and then next week we have the us open which I know. obviously all the qualifying so it's off to brookline next week and um yeah we're on to another major it's come around so quickly but i can't wait to see this course and and what it's gonna do so yeah, lots to unpack and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the tournament plays out in London from Thursday onwards. As I said, we'll be back next week for the third major of the year. It's the US Open at Brookline. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.